You're listening to One More Lullaby, an audio experience about the bonds we share with our parents and how those bonds change as we all grow older. You will hear a collection of short stories based on our own personal experiences. These stories will take you on a journey of growing up. Music was made with love by Esther de Jong, Sebastian de Bonen, Elson Komernoglu, Özgür Aktenis and Robert Danens. From us, the team and actors at Away Productions, we hope you enjoy one more lullaby. Do you know how clouds are made? I've known the secret for a long time. My mom and I always went for long walks by the canal. And I could never wait to make it to this one building that I always wanted to see. So we would then sit down on a hill that just had the perfect view over it. And I would make little drawings of it. A colossal silvery building with two tall towering chimneys on top of it. I like that it smells like my dad's cigars. And then my mom once told me that the chimney spits out clouds that fly up to the sky. We called it the cloud factory. When I was younger, my mom used to tell me that if the clock struck 12 when I made a funny face, it would stay like that forever. And it haunted me for years. I always hid in the closet when the clock would strike, making funny faces and making sure the clock would still run. At one time, I made a funny face, but I forgot the hour went back and the clock struck. Nothing happened. Okay, so I used to be a soft-hearted little kid with a fondness for animals. And it's not that big of a leap to arrive at absolutely adoring the stuffed versions of them as well. I had a lot of them. But the top dog of the bunch was a monkey called Spooky. And he was always there as my safety blanket. When I was six or seven years old, I sat around the living room table with my mom, my older brother, and of course, trust old Spooky. And my older brother got into a heated argument with my mom. And when he felt backed into a corner, he had a rather destructive way to release that pent up anger and to steer the conversation. In one fell swoop, he swiped Spooky from me, took a paper puncher, immediately punched the hole through his hand. It was a mess. He was dangling Spooky in front of me. I was screaming and my mom was about to go absolutely ballistic. 
But that's when my mom did some brilliant thinking on her feet to de-escalate the situation. She took Spooky, stuck a pencil to his hand and exclaimed, Spooky can hold a pencil now. I calmed down immediately. Spooky can hold a pencil now? And over time I came to love his new ability to write and draw. I even brought him to school every time we had to practice our handwriting. It didn't make me hate my brother less at the time though. My dad was very good at building stuff out of wood. One of the coolest things that he made was this huge bookcase that's in our living room. And it had these pretty skillfully made details in the woodwork around the top and along the side. But the top shelf in the middle of the bookcase was my dad's shelf. And it was this mysterious shelf and on it he kept these things that were secret and pretty and and when I was a kid, it was impossible to reach the shelf without help, which is exactly what my dad wanted, because I wasn't allowed to rummage through his shelf. But there's a few things that I know were on there, because I catch my dad taking them from the shelf. Because there was this pair of old-fashioned metal scissors, for example, that used to belong to my grandmother, and they were the sharpest scissors that we had in the house. If we need something opened, We'd get those scissors. And there was this small 20 by 20 centimeter chessboard that folded up into a wooden box with the chess pieces inside. And when you wanted to play the game, you folded it open and you could take out the chess pieces and then put the checkered side face up. And the inside of the box was just really beautifully lined blue, dark blue velvet, and it smelled of, of wood glue and wood. and. I could play with, with the chessboard and some of the things on the shelf. But I always had to ask them and he'd get them for me because he didn't want me to see what was on that shelf. And I still wonder what they were. Why my dad wanted to keep them a secret so much. When I was a kid, uh, me and my dad always watched a movie together on Saturday evening. Um, and I remember that we never watched a full movie, at least I didn't, because, well, at one point it was late and I had to go to bed. Um, and then the next day uh, I got up very early so I could help my father prepare breakfast in the kitchen. Uh, and only because then he would tell me how the movie ended. And I remember that I didn't really mind that he always told me how every film ended. I just very much liked the fact that it was such a special moment between my dad and me. So there's this dream that I keep having. And here's what happens. My parents are in the front seats of the car. And me and my sisters are in the back seat behind them. We're on holiday. 
My parents are discussing which route to take. But then, all of a sudden, they disappear. They disappear from the car and, and we are alone. And I know, I know I have to be brave and I have to get in front of the wheel, but... Some people say the true measure of a family is the character of the family dinner. You've got the the spirited family. Dinners filled with strung-out discussions, impassioned arguments and lots of shouting. And the proper family, with perfectly placed soup spoons, starting with a prayer at 6 sharp and ending with a psalm at 6.30 on the dot. And... And then there's the bohemian family having dinner with, with only lit wine bottle candles to keep you company while mom, mom chows down her microwave meal at midnight. So what was my family like? For me, family dinners were, were only questions. How was school? Did you get any new grades? How was work? Fine. How was your work? Dinner was a business meet obligated by contract based on a shared gene pool. There, there was no time for, for fun and lightheartedness. Merely questions, answers and silence. Visiting my, my, my friends' families, I, I caught a glimpse of that those dinners were always just a bit more than questions. And even, even the silences just felt softer, you know? I don't know. It, it, it could have been the guest effect. But I was still jealous. And the funny thing is, now, when I'm eating alone, I do wonder how the day was for the rest of my family. So, did you ever have the talk with your parents? Hmm. No. No, never. Did you? Um, well, sort of. My mom kind of tried to talk to me. Um, we read my biology book together. Oh. Because I had a test about sexuality and the reproductive organs and stuff like that. But it was just really awkward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's not even the most embarrassing story I have, like, by far. Um, when I was 16, I had sex for the first time and I got a UTI. Oh. Yeah. Um, and I actually didn't realize that it was because of the sex, but it hurt pretty bad and I even caught a fever. So I went to the doctor with my mom, who didn't know about my first time. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so we were sitting there in the doctor's office and the doctor was asking me a billion questions and I was just answering all of them. 
And then all of a sudden he asked me, did you have intercourse in the past 48 hours? Oof. And my brain was just like, uh, <laughs> blank. Oh. Yeah, um, I didn't know what to say. I fell silent. And I think by that time it was pretty obvious to my mom. Um, but she actually never talked to me about it afterwards. Um, she did try to encourage me to take the pill a week or so later. But that's it. We never talked about that uh, stuff either. No, not at all with your parents? Why? Was it like a taboo? I don't know. I don't think so. Perhaps mm. for my mom? My father did give me a strip of condoms once. Uh -huh. I remember thinking, thanks dad, I really need those. I have zero game and no <laughs> one is interested in me. Oh, shit. So that's that. Mm. I have my sex education uh, in school. I remember this one ta uh, this time that uh, we had this uh, box with a dildo inside and we had to put uh, a condom on it in the dark. Okay, <laughs> strange. Yeah. And uh, then the box would open and would see if we actually managed to, poop, uh, to put the, the condom uh, properly. Uh. Hmm. Uh, and I remember that I had self-esteem issues afterwards because that dildo was so huge. Oh my god, that's <laughs> yeah. rough. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering why I never talked about it with my parents afterwards. Yeah, it's a shame that you couldn't talk about it with your parents. I sometimes think that my mother loved me a little bit too much. You know, once someone broke up with me by a text and refused to talk to me in person, so my mom called his mother to tell her that her son was a mess. And she can't resist telling everyone that amazingly funny story of how I pooped myself in Venice when I was four years old. She almost got me expelled one time. My iPod was stolen from the gym dressing room and I was pretty upset. And a few hours later, I saw that a, an iPod for sale online sold by a classmate. And she denied it was mine, but it was pretty obvious. My mom was furious. So what did she do? She went to a local newspaper and she published a scathing story about the school not doing anything against theft on the front page. And the next day we were called into the principal's office and we got lectured for like an hour and then I got an official warning. I was pissed at her because I never asked for her help and she never asked me if I needed it. I didn't talk to her for like three days. Silver lining, I did get my iPod back. So for years, I um, wouldn't find out the ending of every movie I watched uh, because I had to go to bed early. But I think I was about 11 when me and my dad were watching a movie on Saturday evening and it 
it was a very very tense mystery uh, and then I had to go to bed and I remember that um, I lay awake in my bed for hours and I was super at least I thought it were was ours and I was super curious to know how this movie ended so I thought okay I'm gonna go downstairs so I did and um, well my dad was watching the movie he was he just finished it actually uh, and then he saw me being super curious about how this movie ended so he rewound it and we watched the ending together and ever since I never watched a movie not until the end I watched every movie until the end When we went to visit the grave, words couldn't express. So instead, we did something. We went to rent a boat, and we just sailed away. We sailed all across the seas. And there was something so calming about the rocking of the boat, and the water against the sides, and the wind. I felt like a little kid being rocked to sleep in a little cradle when there wasn't a storm of course it was the most intimate thing we ever did as a family strangely enough and we weren't even complete anymore I was about to go to university when I got very sick. During the summer of that year, I had quite a few examinations, which basically meant I went to one doctor, got checked up by him, and he would look at me, mumble, and shake his head about it. And then I would get sent to a different doctor. It was actually quite terrifying time and an experience. My dad always drove me to the hospitals. And he was my greatest support. I mean, you gotta imagine how he sat next to me and held my hand every single time they had to draw blood from me again. <laughs> Which happened quite a few times. But at some point, he, um, he started to leave the room whenever I had my examinations. When my condition got worse, he 
he even stopped driving me to the hospital altogether. And I began to notice that whenever I entered a womb, he would leave it. I was really hurt. I, I mean, I felt let down. I, I needed my dad to be there for me and with me. And, and uh, I, I, I mean, this man, I always thought this, this man was able to fix absolutely anything. But he couldn't. If anything, I felt alone. I was never able to, to blame my dad for it. I mean, he, that, that, that would have been asking the supernatural of him. No, in a way, his inability to watch me was his kryptonite. It showed me that he was not the hero that I needed him to be. Now that I'm older, I can understand why it has been very difficult for my dad. I've lost you once. I only remember parts of that day, little fragments, riding in the ambulance, hearing the beeping sound of your heart monitor, seeing you, helpless and small in the hospital bed, looking like a little girl. I remember gripping your arm, whispering things to you, that it's okay. I was scared, so I hummed that song you always used to sing. You didn't respond. The next thing I remember is having to tell family what happened. It broke me more than I knew at that time. Losing you again would be one of the hardest things to endure. We'll be forever connected, you and I. We're all we have. You'll always be my mum. So me and my dad uh, always watched movies together. And I think I was about 16 years old that my father went to bed before me so the next morning instead of him telling me how the movie ended he asked me how the movie ended but the thing was that the movie we watched had a very weird plot twist at the end so I was yeah I was quite hesitant to tell him how the movie ended 
but he persisted on knowing so i told him in the end and <laughs> the thing is i i really hated that i i really felt like i was robbing him of this experience of watching the movie himself and finding out this weird ending to it so that that felt weird and then we did watch movies together afterwards we sometimes still do but it never has been the same as it was when I was young but I don't care I mean the memories I have are great and I love these memories and this Sunday morning really was our morning sometimes remember things from your from your childhood very very vividly i mean they could be mundane things they could be conversations moments and you don't know why but they're 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 still crystal clear in your mind i remember that when i was a little boy i, I asked my father what his favorite animal was <laughs> and he said to me he didn't have one now in, in my youthful mind, that, that just wasn't possible. I mean, everybody has a favorite animal, right? So I told him that it just wasn't an acceptable answer and he had to pick one. If I have to pick one, he said, I think I would say my favorite animal is a bird. someone would ask me now what kind of animal I would most like to be, I'd say without a doubt that I would like to be a bird. <laughs> 